The Ziggler Show comes from the legacy of Zig Ziggler and brings together personal and professional growth, business success, and faith. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this episode, your story runs your life. I was actually going to say it rules your life uh, just as well. It's just a fact, folks. I mean, your story, our story, it runs and rules our lives. I mean, you think your story is black and white and truth, and today you are either successful because of it or in spite of it, or you're overcome and defeated by it. And likely we all live somewhere in between on that spectrum. And while you can't and should not sugarcoat the hard things that happen to you, you can find redemption and that makes all the difference. Well, that's the focus of today's show. But let me also add around the 27, I think minute mark, we have an incredible discussion on our current racial tensions and then an absolutely profound talk about finding one's purpose. So my guest is Sam Collier, pastor, speaker, writer, host of the A Greater Story with Sam Collier TV show and radio podcast uh, and a brand new book by the same name. So I brought Sam onto the show to discuss his incredible story of being born to a drug addict, given up for adoption, and his focus on how we can and should elevate how we see our story. And again, that's the title of his book, our, our, A Greater Story. Normally, I would not give any reference to someone's race or color, but part of Sam's story is being black and growing up in a very black culture in the South. So we got into some of the current racial tensions of 2020, and he shares a message to blacks and to whites. That's what I ask him to do separately, which I really strongly encourage you to hear. Uh, and then, oh my goodness, we got into both of our perspectives that you'll find out, you'll see are shared on finding one's purpose. And from it, you'll hear Sam exclaim a couple of times, oh my gosh, we got to write a book together. And I'll admit, man, it was just significant, just a powerful, powerful show. Uh, you can connect with Sam and all he has to offer you at agreaterstory.org and find his podcast by the same name, A Greater Story, wherever you get your podcast. So I'm going to bring Sam to you right after sharing what else we've got going on for you and some great products and services. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. 
Well, you know, Sam, as we're recording this, a lot of stuff going on in our culture right now. And we're, we're even, yeah. even aside from the current events, I mean, we're in an age right now with the highest rates ever uh, of depression, despair, apathy, discouragement, even suicide. And, you know, people cite so many causes for that. I've got my own opinions, but to your message of story, it got me thinking of how much of that would you attribute to people who have really just a negative view of their story in general? <laughs> wow, man. That's uh, first of all, thank you so much just for having me, Absolutely. Kevin. This is, you know, the, the Ziegler legacy in itself is monumentous and monumental. And um, I'm just so honored to be able to be here. His legacy lives on, yes. right? Yes. Um, even beyond his years and he's inspired so many of us. Yes. I think uh, what, what I would say, man, 100%, uh, Kevin, I, I do think where you decide to look determines what you see. And I think when we talk about how people view their stories and how they view themselves in, even in the midst of this pandemic um, and, and of this unrest that we find ourselves in in the world determines what kind of decisions they will make every single day that lead to anxiety, that lead to depression, that lead. Now, again, I'm not going to get into clinical and all of that, yeah. but, but uh, aside from that, you know, uh, sometimes we steep into depression and we know suicide is in many cases a mental battle that we sometimes lose aside from kind of just the mental challenges and the, you know, the clinical side to it. But there are so many people that are just deciding to look, um, I, I, if I were to use the word kind of, you know, the, the wrong way or in a way that does not help them progress in life. And I think it takes them where they want to go. Here, here's what I'd say, um, Kevin, uh, here's something big during this pandemic that I've been getting asked from a lot of different secular media uh, stations and, and they've been saying, hey, you know, what's your message in the midst of this? I say, well, yeah. listen, we're living right now in what I would call a change, right? It's it's a pandemic, but it's also a change. We, we lose people in the changes of life and the turns of life, so on and so forth. And the, the greatest thing about change is that it comes with opportunities and it also comes with challenges. Yeah, All change and and if we're not careful, we'll spend so much time focused on the challenges that we miss the actual opportunities that lie in front of us. And I think to your point, it's all about perspective and what we choose to look at. Well, in looking at our story and I want to, this is a big issue to me, you know, how we look at ourselves and, and my audience knows I've told my story somewhat of uh, reaching a point in my life and it's always been forward. You know, we're looking forward where this is about coaching. I don't care where you've been. It's where you want to go. How do we get there? And then yeah. I found my own plateau, a uh, handicap uh, a little bit because I wasn't ever looking behind me and didn't realize why am I repeating some yeah. of these patterns? So that was, <laughs> that's part of my own uh, maturity and something I still have to, I'm sure. growing to pay attention to. But as you talk about this, you know, this story of rewriting it. I mean, we talk about this on the show, but man, it, it is really difficult. It, it feels so um, counterintuitive to look back because your story, we believe what we experienced. And, and yeah. yet you're saying it's not to go back and, and Pollyanna it and to pretend right. that the bad stuff didn't happen, which you don't at all, man. You're, you're so candid with the bad stuff that happened. And yet saying, how do you take that? Well, just, just like what you said to say, okay, this is a challenge. 
where can I find the opportunity? And, and I, I kind of want you to, with the cap of, of the, the person out there right now who may be really hurting. I mean, they have had a hard way and they are in a hard way. And to say, man, just, just rewrite your story. You know, think positive is falling on deaf ears. How do you get into that person? Um, what I, I think what I would say to that is this, you know, my life's mantra has been for a very long time. It's not about the cards you've been dealt. It's about how you play the hand. Yeah. And for me, that's just been, you know, so big. I, I lost uh, my biological father who I'd never met, maybe talked to him twice from COVID-19. Really? Oh, goodness. Didn't know that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Weeks before I lost him, I lost my uncle. And I lost my aunt. So we're talking about three weeks of consistent death um, in my family, not to mention, right? I mean, I'm an entrepreneur, which I'm, I'm sure you are in many rights or many respects, yeah, yeah. but you know, the, and I do a lot of speaking for a living. The speaking industry collapses because live events have gone away. And so we're staring in the face, I'm staring in the face of all of this trouble and all of this hardship. And, and in that moment, as I'm preaching my uncle's funeral, at the funeral home that they only allowed 10 people in and everybody's yeah. wearing masks because of yeah. COVID over Zoom. You know, I am just kind of faced with a decision of, which I think many of us were, you know, that there were, there were moments where we thought is, okay, next month COVID's gonna be over. Okay, next month it's gonna be over. Okay, next yeah. month. And it just seemed like it would never end. The decision I was faced with that I think many people are faced with even now as we talk about hardship is what are we gonna do now? What, what, what are we going to do? What, what's the choice? Are we going to decide to live in despair? Or are we going to pat ourselves on the back, look ourselves in the mirror, encourage ourselves and fight for the other side of the challenge and really, and really find the opportunity. I, I cannot, I, I hope not, not to bring too much, not to make this about business too much, but I did a message this past weekend um, virtually and I, and, one of my messages was this, you know, I think it was something a hundred thousand plus people have lost their lives to COVID. I lost my family and, you know, businesses have shut down like never before. Millions of small businesses have died in the midst of this. But while all of that was happening, Zoom made $3 billion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, they made 3 billion and Netflix, I mean, tripled almost, you know, in terms of just, just their market share when, when we all thought Netflix was over. I, I said that to say not to be callous or to even discount the hardship. I said that to say that when, when there's hardship in a change, there, there's always an opportunity. And while you are going through some hard stuff, there, there's, there's some great things that can be done and can be seen if you decide to fight on. And so my encouragement to people would be that there is hope. Don't spend all of your life. You got to manage your challenges. You have to. You have to manage them. You have to mourn. You have to take your time to talk and process and do all of these things. But you cannot stay there. There comes a life, even, you know, I do a lot of things with, um, in hospitals and in ministry sometimes and other things. There comes a time when I am counseling someone that's lost a loved one five years down the road, 20 years, you know, 10 years even after the fact where I just have to say to them, hey, we lost mom, but you got to get up and live for mom. Yeah. 
So that's what I would say. Don't just stay in the despair. Also pursue greatness. Yeah, I, I want to. I'm going to stick in here to to where you're going or, or where you're talking to. I mean, because we've got people. Uh, everywhere you know, across the globe. But let's just talk here in America. I mean, in our own towns, we've got you know two friends, and they both have jobs. And one of them, as you say, one of them lost their job. Pure and simple. A lot of people yeah. have. They lost their job. They have no income. The other one worked at a you know medical clinic to some degree, and they're putting in double time and overtime and making more money just to get to brass tacks. And yeah, you're talking about business. That's hard to reconcile because the one sitting there telling a story of man, am I, I got bad luck. I got the, I got the short end of the stick and my buddy here, you know, he's raking it in now, man. Good for him. But the story to them, to the average person feels like it is just a factual story. I lost my job stinks for me. He's killing it, you know, good for him. And that's it. How do you, how do you repaint that story, Sam? Yeah, it's so great, man. It, it, you know, it's, it really is, again, I, I don't want to mean to repeat myself. I'm just, just kind of building on top of the principles. Um, it really is, you know, what you de- how you decide to play that hand. Can I, I'll give a story. So two weeks into COVID, I, w- I was kind of stuck um, because I said, all right, the speaking industry has collapsed. Yeah. The live event industry has collapsed for all intensive purposes. I, I mean, I have friends right now who... Um, they haven't made a dollar since March by the grace, right. Of, of God or divine power, whatever you want to call it. Um, they have had savings, right. That has been, that they've been able to live on, but I got a call last week, man. I got to pivot, you know, I got to do something. Um, and so I'm faced with the reality of how am I going to make income again? And two weeks in, there was an idea that just that popped in my head. And there was a moment where I said, I'm not, I'm not going to stay down. I'm like, d- staying down is ne- has never been an option for me. I, I guess my biggest thing is if I'm going to go down, it's not going to be because I didn't try. Yeah. It's not going to be because I didn't reach beyond. And for me, what I started doing is I start, I went, I got my whiteboard out and I said, what are the current opportunities that, that maybe I don't see right now that I can explore. What are, and so I said, okay, if we just push pause a little bit on the lack and the loss, what is actually available? Well, more people are at home than they've ever been. More people are watching more things than they've ever been. Because more people are at home, they're willing to do things they've never done because they've got more time. Families are closer together because they're together all the time. Marriages, right, are able to, to spend more time together and be strength. What can I do? And so as I started to map this thing out, I said, what if we just start doing digital live events? Yeah. And I started calling people and I got on the phone and, and people were looking up. They were like, what are you doing? I was like, I just refuse. I can't go down. I got to become innovative. I got to push myself to go be beyond maybe what my mind just saw and I can't stay on yesterday I can't keep holding on to what was I have to now and I, I gotta recognize what was but I have to recognize what might be in front of me because I got a family that I got to take care of and I got to innovate not just for my mom I mean not just for my my wife but for my daughter as well and 
And we looked up and we, I mean, we were doing events, 250,000 people tuning in and doing partnerships and launching courses and all of these different things, doing marriage events with date nights where people can come in and, and talking to sponsors. Because here's what I realized, Kevin, is that everybody was trying to figure it out. Yeah. And so as I began to try to figure some things out, I started pulling everybody else and, hey, have you thought of something? Hey, come help me do this. Have you thought, hey, come help me do this. And so I say all that to say, I think, the way you rewrite that story is to refuse to accept defeat. You have to refuse to accept defeat. And that's hard because it's an emotional battle at, at the core of it, Kevin, it's an emotional battle. It's, but, but I lost everything. Yeah. But I, so, but I, I'm like, I, I, and we have to spend time there, but emotionally you have to pull yourself out or you at least have to write somebody. I heard a friend say to me, I'm okay with fear riding in the passenger seat, but I'm not going to let it drop. That's great. And so it can be there. Put it, put those challenges in the passenger seat with you and, and take care of them. But you got to get in that driver's seat and you have to, you have to have a sense of fortitude and strength because you have more in you than you think you do. You have more in you than you, I, I can guarantee it. And we all, when our back is up against the wall, we figure out what we're made of. You've got more in you than you think. So that, that's, I don't know if that helps. I don't know if that's crazy. It does. It does. We're going to, and we're going to stick uh, right here. You know, people oftentimes say, you know, I'm going to be devil's advocate and I don't ever want to be the devil's advocate. So yeah. I'm not, but I am going to, as I was reading through your story, you know, points where I don't want anybody to discount the message. And so on that, yeah. you know, you have, of course, this, your classic story, uh, born with a twin to a drug addicted mother, given up for adoption, uh, mistreated yeah. in the mistreated before that in the adoption home. And, you know, a, a pretty bad start. Not many people can claim a worse start to some degree than that. Yeah. So they, they got nothing yeah. on you in that regard. Now, uh, what an unbelievable story that you were then adopted by parents yeah. and you now have the, the literal story. You don't have to make this one up and pretend that you had uh, loving parents. And I thought, okay, yeah. somebody's going to hear this who had a really bad start and they did not get saved. And you, yeah. you know those people, you've met with those people, but they're reading that and going, man, that is awesome yeah. for you, Sam, that you've got this redemptive story that you were saved. I wasn't. And I grew up in the foster yeah. care. I grew up with abusive parents. I grew up, I don't have that story. So again, they're looking back to the facts yeah. and you, you know, how can they literally, you know, look back as you've worked with people, talked with people, counseled people, prayed with people, can they look back and uh, you know, God can redeem anything, but that, yeah. that stuff happened and it still hurts them today. And when we're yeah. talking about opportunity, man, I get that, that they may have a perspective, a, they could derive a strength out of that, that they can use in a redemptive way. Uh, I, I think it's to the people who are still hurting within that, that I'm, I'm, I'm looking for you to say, how, how do you look at that? And go, yeah, that, that was terrible. And it's not going to be, I, I, maybe we can't find some perfect redemption, but right now, where are you going to go? Which is the only yes. way to, which is the only, only answer, but where are you going to go? And how do you, again, look back at that story uh, and find strength? Maybe that's the question. 
You are listening to The Ziggler Show and this episode with Sam Collier. In response to the question I just posed, he quickly addresses what he calls our current double pandemics, COVID-19, and as he says, the fight for liberation for black and brown people around the world. And then he gets into his own story, growing up uh, in the birthplace of the civil rights in America, and it's following this that I ask him to share his insights on racial issues specifically, uh, speaking specifically to blacks and specifically to whites. Uh, Really, really incredible. So we're going to get right back to his answer after I share some great products and services with you. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Nobody knows it all on Yahoo Finance is an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together. And I was at yahoofinance.com just now. I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they were hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time yahoofinance.com. I live high up in the Rocky Mountains where the air is clean and fresh as possible, but then I step indoors and I'm breathing in untold amounts of toxins and allergens from paint and carpet and cleaning chemicals and pets and furniture and appliances and mold and so on. Studies show the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air anywhere you are. And in some places it's a hundred times worse than that. Well, the solution is to get an air purifier and air doctor is just the best out there. It filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen and pet dander and dust mites and mold and even bacteria and viruses so your lungs don't have to try to do that. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com. You can use the promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get the special deal, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point. 
but getting them to actually give their payment info is. And Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. Um, we're living in a time, Kevin, that I call the double pandemics, right? Yeah. We're living in COVID-19. We're living in the fight for liberation for black and brown people around the world, right? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, we just came through this crazy Black Lives Matter season, right? And we're not talking about the organization. We're not talking about defunding police. Or, we're not talking about any of that. Just the hashtag. <laughs> that went viral and it was really just the fight for um, the liberation of black and brown. And um, I, I think what I have to say to that is, you know, to, to my story, it's, you know, we about rescue would be defined as, you know, coming into a middle-class family, middle-class black family didn't have everything that we wanted. We had everything that we needed. Yeah. Parents weren't perfect, but we're loving, but yet and still, Black, and so I, I grew up on Auburn Avenue, um, where which, which was the birthplace of the of civil rights here um, in the states, and, and especially in in Atlanta. I grew up across the street from the Martin Luther King Jr. Center, where the above tombs of MLK and Coretta sit above ground. And so I, I, I was aware of what you would call black excellence. At the same time. I still face the same type of oppression that many black and brown people in America have faced and have had to overcome. And this is why I, this is why I go back to mentality again and perspective and where you decide to look. Because for me, I had many options in my life to choose to focus on the negative yeah. and let the negative be a crutch for me and, 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 you know, or an excuse for not pushing past the barriers. There, there are many adopted stories that you hear of adopted families and adopted kids that decide to focus on abandonment. Well, I was abandoned and their identity becomes I was an abandoned kid. Doesn't matter how many people love me. Doesn't matter how many people come in. I was abandoned. And so that means that I'm not worth anything. And with the opportunity they've been given, they it's in some cases squander it. Because they're so focused on, again, the yeah. challenge that they missed the opportunity. And so for me, even being Black in America, I never saw my Blackness as a crutch. I never saw it as a challenge that I could not get over. I never saw it as an excuse to not succeed. One, because I saw so many freedom fighters that, you know, have free, you know, that, that in the midst of oppression and of darkness, they push through. We talk about Harriet Tubman. You're talking about Langston Hughes. You're talking about Rosa Parks. You're talking about Martin Luther King Jr. And these are people that in spite of the pressure of the day, they decided that they were going to achieve anyway. And so for me, yeah. that's kind of where I'm coming from. There was a moment in my life around 16 where I even, where I even squandered the opportunity. I'll just be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I lived what I would call hood adjacent, meaning I lived ne- I didn't live in the hood, but I was hood adjacent, right? Yeah. I, was, I was right by the hood. So I had friends that were living in that lifestyle of drugs and all that, that, that wanted to pull me in. 
I had other friends that were doing this. That put, and, I, and, and I'll be honest, sometimes I didn't always make the right choice and found, and found myself almost losing the opportunity that I had, suspended from school for 30 days, all of these other things. And yet again, I was faced with the decision of where am I going to look and what am I going to focus on? Again, not about the cards you've been dealt, but how you play the hand. I want to give a story of a friend of mine out in Nairobi, Kenya, who grew up in what you were, in what we call extreme poverty, extreme poverty. It, it is, you, you don't go any lower than the slums in Nairobi, Kenya, where there is no, there is no electricity there. There is no, right. You got to go walk to the walk to the lake to get the water. I mean, you, you, I mean, there, there's no, there's nothing lower. I mean, it's the lowest level of poverty on the earth. He grew up in a hut. And he's now, he's got a master's degree and he's leading one of the largest nonprofits in Nairobi. I sit, I sat him down and I said, what happened? He said, I had eight brothers and sisters. We all grew up. He said, and out of all of my eight brothers and sisters, me and maybe one more of my siblings decided that there was more for us, hmm. that there was more for us. And our others, I, I said, what separated you from your, he said, it was, we just decided that there was more for us. All my other siblings decided that this was it. And when I reached for more, and you talk about the power of God, right? I, so I think you bring God into your story. It changes everything. But he reached for more. And he, again, back to that, decided that he would not accept defeat. And he rewrote his story. Yeah. And so I, I would say to everyone out there right now that's listening, in the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of what you're going through, obstacles don't have to stop you. You can rise above and it all is about your mentality. You'd be surprised at how much you could get done by changing your mind. And, and that's what Zig Ziglar is all about. Am I right? I mean, that's what he's yeah. all about. The, the idea of mental fortitude, right? Yeah. That your, 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 your mind kind of, you know, determines your destiny as a man. Think of so, is he change your mind, change your life. So, Anyway, you get, you know, don't get me started on Zig. No, hey, that's, that's, it's the Ziggler show, man. We can go there. You know, this, I just did a show a minute, a little bit ago, and we talked, hit on, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, as Solomon wisely said a long time ago, but yeah. there are new times and new events. And we are, my gosh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm how old am I? 49. How old are you, Sam? How, <laughs> I'm 30. 32. In my lifetime, I've never experienced you know, the state of, of the culture that we're in right now with the, as you said, double pandemics and man, the, the focus on the negative again, feels like an all time high. And here you are saying, we've got yeah. to not do that. We got to come over here. And it's, you know, Zig Ziglar's all about the positive thinking. Man, this is so difficult. If you, we, you can't go look at the media. You can't go look at news. You can't go look at Facebook. If you want to stay positive, you know, I, I want to take the opportunity. I mean, we're here about story. We're here about your story. We're here about your message on story. And we're yeah. going to stay there for the duration of the show because I just think it's it's monumental. That's why you're here. Um, but you did just bring in the current, not but, and you just brought in the current issue that we have with race. And I'm going to take advantage of you being here on the show um, because you are a black man. And as you said, you grew up and it's a part of, I mean, I just, that's, spent a lot of time reading the book, uh, you grew up in a very black 
culture. I mean, I've, I live up here in yeah. Woodland Park, Colorado. They call it Whiteland Park, Colorado, because it's just white. <laughs> I, I had a friend up here, and he says, "Yeah, I'm the only black guy in town." I, I think, but you you are not that. You grew up in that very strong black culture, and that's such a part of your story. And honestly, uh, Sam, yeah. I wanted to take the opportunity for you to give your perspective. And my thought really was give your perspective. What is the greater story that you would want to communicate to, to both sides and forgive me for separating them. Cause the point is not separating yeah. the sides, but we have people out there and part of their story is they are black. They were, and they yeah. are. And so right now they're living in these times. What is the story that you would call them to the greater story? And then same thing over here, to the uh to the white folks you know the white guys because i i'm with these guys and they're looking at it and i'll tell you the the issues that i see are questions of responsibility uh of guilt and of confusion and so yeah. i'd love you to speak to both sides because they're both coming from their stories my story is i've i've never known anything but being a white guy and and, and we've come into this and i've realized now I've, I've got a lot of ignorance it's not stupidity, but it's just some ignorance. Wow. And so trying to figure yeah. out what, what should, what, what not should, I hate to should, what can, what can I do? Well, where can I take responsibility and privilege, whatever you want to call it? Yeah. All right. I'm just going to throw that. I'm going to lob that at you and let you go with it. <laughs> well, one, I want to say, cause somebody just asked in the comments, like, where's the book? Okay. It's a greater story. You can get it on Amazon. You can pre-order it. Somebody asked in the comments. Yep. There it is. There it is. There it is. Um, listen, um, Woo, here we go, Kevin. Here okay. we go. <laughs> okay, please. Uh, one, I'm glad you, and some people may disagree. I'm glad you separated. If we just, for now, go white and black. Yeah. We're, we're not separate. I know that. And I think we know that. But for the sake of categorizing and understanding, you know, Dr. King, MLK, I've been good friends with his daughter for a long time. He often would say that there's two Americas, white America, black America, right? I mean, he often would say we're living in two Americas. So I'm glad that, uh, for the differentiator because it helps us understand what we're saying. I did a couple of dresses when all this came out on my Instagram and one was my message to white and black America. And I said, hey, right now we're gonna talk to white and black America only because that tends to be the greatest tension. And at some, and at some point, um, we'll talk to the rest of America and let you come in. We need, cause we need everybody to solve this, but for the sake of solving some problems and addressing, we're going to just categorize because that's where the greatest tension is potentially right now. Um, and my message was to both sides and to, to, when we talk about this idea of a greater story to my black and brown brothers and sisters, the greater story is that as a culture and as a people, we've come through worse than what we find ourselves in now. Hmm. That's the message. It's that we've come through worse. And I just, you know, just talking to black and brown for just for a second, no, no, however you categorize what you're up against, right? Whether it is we've got police brutality, whether it is systemic oppression, whether it is what, whatever you categorize it as, we have come through and triumphed through worse. Um, and, and I named them before when we talk about our freedom fighters and, and Harriet Tubman and then, you know, Nat, you know, Nat Turner and then, all, you know, Muhammad Ali. And you just go down the list of these great people that in the spite of overt 
what I would call overt oppression, where you had your black and your white only fountains and you had, you can't sit together and all these, you can't go to church together. In, in the midst of that, they, they achieved. Yeah. And so if they can achieve, you can achieve. That's the greatest story to not limit yourself by your color. Don't get stuck in, because of the way I look, I will never be able to overcome. No, you will overcome. You got, again, more in you than you think. Yeah. To my white brothers and sisters, uh, the greater story is that I, the line that I've used is we got to finish the job. We got to finish the job. <laughs> no, you didn't create systemic oppression. No, you didn't create racism. No, you didn't create slavery. Um, but many of your ancestors did. Yeah. And like we are, you are living in the benefit of your history. And we are living in the challenges of our history. And so when we talk about generational wealth and all of these things that, that have been passed down, um, th those are direct results of where we are today. It is directly tied to our history and where we've come from. And the job was began, I mean, from slavery to civil rights, the job began of the remaking of America. Now, as my white brothers and sisters, with our, with and in collaboration with our black and brown, we got to come together. But now we need our black, I mean, our white brothers and sisters to finish the job that your ancestors started. Finish the job. Yeah. And, he, and here's, um, let me paint the picture a little bit and I'm done. When you think about 400 years of oppression, when you think about the uh, origin of the police system in America, which was slave catchers. That's the origin of the police. The first police were slave catchers. And then over the years you talk about in the 60s and the 70s, um, um, you, where you integrated the police force, you had a time where white police didn't even let black police change in the same room, right? Mm -hmm. And then it was still kind of enforcing these racist laws. When you think about all of these years of oppression, we're 70 years removed from civil rights, it is easy to believe that maybe there are just a few remnants left over. Yeah. Just 70 years removed at compared to 400. There, there may be just, right, just a few remnants left over. And so you know, it's not as overt as it was, but now we're just finishing the job. We're pulling up the hood and we're just getting out the cobwebs that were left over. And so that, that would be my, the greater story that we got to all come together we have to all finish the job that was started. Uh, that line, finish the job, is, I just, I, I love it. It's so, that's uh, so tangible, so relevant. And also you're, you're, you're relating it to the challenge of the history for black people and the benefit of the white. Because we've talked about privilege and I feel like everybody's kind of blown that one out and it's got baggage already. But that is just, it's, yeah. it, it's, it feels irrefutable. So man, thank you. Thank you for uh, candidly sharing that because that is, it's, it was a perfect part of your story. I honestly, when we scheduled the interview, I didn't realize uh, that aspect of your own story, wow. your own advocacy. So we'll just chalk that up to uh, God has a plan, right? Uh, <laughs> I want to come back, Sam. I don't want to leave that at all, but I, w I do want to come back to something that you said in the book. Uh, you say, no matter what someone believes their story is about, you believe it's all a part of God's plan. 
So again, I'm going to pick on that where I know some people will pick on that. And because we can all take that at face value and struggle with that. I've got a, I I have two adopted kids. Um, Come on. And uh, my youngest one, well, both of them went through bad stuff, but my youngest one's a little more acute to me. She's eight now. Uh, she came to us at four years of life and her pre her, her initial four years were not good. And so to look at that and go, Oh, part of God's plan. I don't want to accept that. I, I don't want to say really oh. God plan that now redemption I get, but I know people get hung up there. Now I've, I've read about you. I've done my research and I know that you're not up there saying, Oh, you know, that was God's plan. I know that, but I want you to speak to it. Cause I don't want anybody to hear that and go, uh, uh-uh, uh, and not accept the truth of what you're yeah. giving us. The greatest tension um, for the atheist in respect to yeah. the Christian yeah. is why is God going to deal with everything at one time and not now? That's the greatest tension. When I find myself in conversations with atheists and even as, and with Christians, it is choosing as a believer, as a Christian, and as in God to accept that God has a greater plan than the one that we see and to trust him in the in-between. The hope that we have is that one day there will be no more trouble, right? Yeah. There will be no more darkness. There will be, that's the hope that we have, that God is coming back and so on and so, and there will be no more sadness and rape and you know, cancer and AIDS and all of these things that we go through. That's the hope that we have that one day it will all change. But in the meantime, the the tension is choosing to trust that God is doing everything he can to, to, to redeem us and to take us towards that and to redeem some different things along the way and to trust that the greater plan we don't see, but that it is good. And that's the greatest tension we have. Um, to your question, do I think God creates hardship and trouble and, you know, AIDS and cancer and poverty? No. Cancer? No, I don't think God gives anyone cancer. Do I think he uses it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think God is the creator of trouble. I think the trouble that we find ourselves in, I don't want to get too biblical on you, right? We can, but get, I think we can, it, we can get biblical. Okay, I don't want to get too biblical, but I think we were once living in a perfect world. Then we, you know, you know the story of Adam and Eve and the sin, and once sin entered into the world, now we're all living in the result of what happens after thousands and thousands of years of sin. And it's the result of a perfect thing being corrupted by sin and now we're living in that darkness and that is what creates our trouble that is what has created cancer that is what has created AIDS that is what's created uh murder and death and poverty and abandoned that's all of that is the result of sin God didn't create it and he's not giving it to us it is the result of what we caused from the beginning now is he using it 100% and I think that that is what the greater story is all about. Yeah. It is the idea that if we give our life over to a greater power and we choose to think positively and we choose, right, to play the cards that we've been dealt, 
in the right way or in a certain way that God has a plan to redeem the darkness that we've found, that we've lived in. He has a plan even to redeem my family that was in poverty. He had a plan to redeem us. And if we let him do it, he will, he will do it. And so I don't think he creates it, but I do think he leverages it. Okay. You, and you just said, uh, uh, let me pull a couple pieces out too, yeah. you know, it, from, from the book, from your message, uh, y- understanding is a quote, understanding how trials in life always serve a greater purpose. And then further, you know, God is always writing a greater story, but you just gave the, what I feel like is the caveat to that. And you said, if we give our life over to a greater power, uh, I'm i I'm one of those Believers in the Bible, it has a lot of if-then statements in that. Yeah. And that God can, you know, you said God has a plan to redeem. He can if. And I feel like we so often in the church miss the if. Miss the if, <laughs> if. you know. Listen, the if is everything. Yeah. The if there's a, there's a book right there. <laughs> Woo, I like that. Look, if I write it. All right. All right. The if, uh, the if yeah. is everything. Listen. I'm a Christian today. I've given my life over to God. But if I decide to not continue to follow the ways, I can even. Thank you. Yeah. And, and it goes back to your original question about, well, what about people that have been in this and they've done this and Sam and you and the if for me was everything, because even though I had been, quote unquote, rescued out of a dark situation, I still came into an interesting situation. It wasn't the, um, the best, but I, it was if. If you take advantage of the opportunity, things will change. If you decide to play your hand a different way, things will change. If you, right, if you choose to rise above the current challenges, back to Nairobi, Kenya, if you decide that there is more for you, then things will change. And, and back to the original statement about God, if you let God come in and you surrender your life to love and to goodness, can we go, can we go zig for and to positivity, right? And to what everything, the positive mindset that you talked about, the Zig Ziglar. If you decide to have that positive mindset, then the, then things will begin to change. But the if is everything. I, I'm serious. Thank you. Um, that is a that is a, such a soapbox for me. I, and I would have to say a burden because I feel like the church misses. We don't say that. We get up there and presuppose that everybody sitting out there listening has is living the if is, is, is pursuing yeah. is accepting because what you said is the one that get, I get riled up about because we have free will and I have the yeah. opportunity to, uh, to dis to abandon my God. If I don't, then I don't have free will and I don't have true love for my God. And, uh, man, so I, I love that cause that's what, that's what I want people to hear because when they hear that, then then there's a greater story that they can accept. I, I know I, I, I'm, I love it. So I want to go there. I want to, and this just kind of hit me as I was reading your book too, from a tangible aspect. And I don't know if this is a, it's totally fair to throw at you, but just a greater story. I don't know which question, which way to come at it. How do I know if you, as you're talking to a group of people, what are some telltale signs Maybe this is really elementary, but I'm going to ask anyways, that you are not living your greater story, almost kind of a greater story versus a greater story. And maybe it comes back to where we started on and it's how you paint the picture of what's happened to you. Are you, is it fair to, are you a victim or not? Maybe that's a greater story 
filter. Kind of mantra. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's phenomenal. Kevin, we, we got to write a book together. Kevin, that's what All right. <laughs> All right. I'm game. Um, right. Come on. I, I would say um, the greatest, and this is going to be deep. This is going to be kind of deep. Please. Um, the greatest test of whether or not you're living in the greater story that God has for you is whether or not you are living in peace. Hmm. That, um, you know, when I, when I, when I started this journey of figuring out what is God's best for me? Yeah. You know, I went through a lot of different things, right? First of all, I had to ask the question, does God have these, is God, is everybody supposed to be a millionaire? Right. I mean, you start to go through this stuff and you go, you know, and when I, when I put this, I, I, I feel like you find truth, obviously scriptures, but when you hold it up and then you put it through all of the filters that you could put it through around the globe. And I think about people with, you know, that are living in poverty. I think about people that don't have as much as Americans. I think about people that are rich. I think about people that are poor. I think about people, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, whatever. And what, and what it came down to was that the ultimate goal is not possessions. The ultimate thing is, are you at peace with, your life. And here's the thing about peace. The thing about peace that is deep and that is such a great litmus test is that if we believe in God, then we believe that God is within us. God is not going to let us have peace if we aren't doing the things he wants us to do. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And that goes as far as I got all the money in the world. I got all of this. I got this. I got boom. I, I got my wife. I got my car. I got my, but I'm not at peace. I mean, we know millionaires, right? They have everything, but it's like, ah, I, and it's because I'm not giving back enough. I'm, I'm not leveraging my life for something greater. I'm not, I mean, this even goes over to the Christian that has into the, into the, the person, the follower of God or whatever religion. It goes back to that of, okay, yeah, I'm going to church. I'm doing this. I'm giving my money, but I'm not at peace. What I'm missing something. Oh, you're not fulfilling your purpose. You're not living in what God has designed for you to live. In. If you're not in purpose, you won't have peace. The greater story, the great, even in your marriage, it's like, we're doing well, but there's something peace. God will always disturb our peace when we are not going where we need to go. And, th- and that's a principle that goes all the way 
um, back into every area. You're living a certain lifestyle. You're a victim, right? It's like, I'm a victim. I'm just this and nothing ever will go well for me. And uh, you're not at peace. Yeah. You're not at peace. The question is, how do you get to peace? You have to now dive into that mentality and go, what is keeping me away? And then, you know, there's that moment with the counselor where they go, well, how long are you going to be a victim? Yeah. Right. And it's like, ah, I mean, and, and I found that the North Star um, that I believe God uses is peace. Um, he disturbs our peace until one. And I think that's a consistent journey. Like, right. Like, I think he's always disturbing our peace. I think for me, once I've done one thing, he'll disturb my peace. Now it's time for this. Okay. Now there's more. It's time for this. It's like, ah, I can't, I can't get rid of this thing. So uh, let's drill down on it. I know it was a big idea. Oh, no, but- go, go. Yeah. I mean, no, I was asking you, I mean, oh, whatever you think. No, I mean, like, no, I wanted to go sorry. right. I, I'm sitting here typing notes. I wanted to go right there because um, yeah. uh, disrupting our peace, that is one that has almost been as directive to my life as the, the vision. You know, we talk about the vision, the desire. And, yeah. and I had a good friend of mine, Gary Barkalo, wrote the book, uh, It's Your Call. And he mentored me in trusting the desires of my heart, you know, as if, if I am pursuing my God, if I am pressing in to trust the desires of my heart. So we got there, but then what I learned is also trusting. And in the word I used was distastes. Uh, Mm. why was, why did I feel called? Well, God, why did I feel called to this direction? And you fulfilled it. And I believe that you were faithful in that. And yet now I, I, I don't, I don't got it anymore. I feel, I feel called away. I feel maybe it was just a season and, I, and I'd learned to trust the distaste and that yeah, God has seasons or, and maybe, and now I'm thinking about it again with you talking about he's disrupting my peace. He called me there. It was true. I have peace in it. And now he's disrupting that. And I've learned to pay attention to that maybe as much as anything, because it's so easy to feel like, man, if God called me to that, if it was right and for true, it's supposed to be forever right? It's got to last yeah. forever. Well, then what we are, we just arrive and coast and I can't find that in my Bible anywhere either. Um, disrupting mm. our peace. I love the answer. I love the answer of knowing my greater <laughs> story though, is yeah. the litmus test is, am I at peace? Which not many people are. Now you brought into that purpose, which is such yeah. a big part of your message. And I'm going to pull this is out of your book. Your purpose is wherever your oh. passion, giftings, and God's provision intersect. That I'd like you to yeah. dig into because purpose, of course, it's the Ziggler Show. We talk about that. So many of our guests talk about that, but no different than you know, rewriting our story. I don't think we can hear it enough. I don't think we can uh, pursue understanding of it enough because it's so monumental and it's so complex. So purpose, we talk about purpose and what is that? Cause it, you know, people right now in this personal development purpose is you know, pursue your passion, something you love and you got purpose. That's yeah. part of it, yeah. part of it. So, yeah. but I'm going to, I want you to take it because you brought purpose into peace. That's what I heard. 100%. Well, and the question you asked me, you know, I've never been asked that question around what's our litmus test. And so I just, I went ahead and went there. I, um, I like it. But a greater story is essentially a millennial modern day, I don't even want to say modern day, but more of my generation's version of the purpose-driven life. Yeah. Um, it, you know, the purpose-driven life is Rick Warren. It's the second 
highest selling book under the Bible. <laughs> it's just like, it's ridiculous because yeah. it's life's greatest question, right? Like life's greatest question. We know the greatest tension for the Christian, right? Is, you know, why is God going to do everything at one time and, and tr trusting, but life's greatest question is what is my purpose? Why am I here? Do I matter? What does that mean? How do I access it? And I'll be honest with you, Kevin, I, I arrived at this formula for purpose because God disturbed my peace and I couldn't find peace in life, period. I was going to church. I was doing everything I thought I was supposed to do. I had dreams and, I, and nothing in my life was clicking. I kept, I felt like I kept running into a brick wall. You ever felt that way? It's like, you just yep. keep running into a brick wall. It's like nothing can work. I, and it led me to purpose. What, God, how am I, why am I here? And I'll be honest. I felt like for a season, I knew why. I felt like I had vision, but I didn't know how. And, and, and how is almost worse than why. <laughs> because okay. to know why... And to not know how, it's just, it's, it's, um, it's like, okay, I know what I'm supposed to do, but how do I, I yeah. know I'm supposed to, but how am I supposed to? It's like, I know what my marriage is supposed to be, but how do I get it there? I know what God wants me, like, or why, I, but how do I actually do it? And yeah. I got caught in the how, and in the journey to how, um, I discovered a fo the formula for purpose. And it was a messy journey. It was a, it was a very emotional journey. And here's what I found. I don't know if you've heard of T.D. Jakes before. Yeah. But he, I think he's a mainstream voice. He's also a Christian voice, but he's kind of a mainstream voice too. Uh, I went to a conference doing my, the civil, un, this unrest, right? This unrest in my soul where the peace was gone. And um, T.D. T.D. Jakes said something I'll never forget. He said, uh, you know, most of us, spend 20% of our, no, 80% of our time. I'm gonna start over because I wanna say it right. Most of us spend 80% of our time doing what we think we're good at and 20% of our time doing what we're actually good at. And hmm. people deal with the 80 in us just to get the 20. Huh. It was huge. He said, and your trick is gonna be Figuring out what your 20 is and flipping the percentage. Yeah. In other words, he said, most of us spend most of our lives doing what we really, what we want to do, what we think we're supposed to do. And 20% of our time actually doing what we actually are supposed to do and actually what we're good at. And so I went on a journey. I said, well, how do I figure out the 20? Right. When we talk about the how, right. It's like, I know what, and, and the how actually revolutionized the why and the what. I mean, I know I'm getting pretty deep. And so as I went on this journey, he said, the only way for you to figure out, you know, what the 20 is, you got to ask other people. Hmm. And I was like, what? He said, because we can lie to ourselves. When this took me down to scripture, Kevin, and I won't preach or even go super, but what I discovered through scripture and through my journey is that everything we've been given and our purpose, our purpose in life, every it is directly connected to making the world better. That's yes. what our purpose is, right? It's, it's, and the scriptures reveal God has given us gifts for the building of the kingdom 
of the world and really for the world, the betterment of humanity. That's why we exist to make the world better, to make people better. In fact, I don't even, again, well, I won't, I won't go down that road. With that being said, the question that I started asking myself and people is what am I doing that actually makes the world better? And if you can answer that question, not what can I do that makes the world better? It's what do I actually do that makes the world better? What, in other words, the question that Bishop Jakes asked us to ask people is what's special about me? What's special about me? And in that, in that question, and then you have to sometimes drill down to what gift or talent is special that I have. Yeah. The answer to that question lets you know what people are actually benefiting from on the other side of you that you're doing. And it helps you figure out what you're actually good at and what you're not good at. And for me, I, again, I thought I was the Christian version of Usher. That's who I wanted to be. I don't know if you know Usher yeah. Raymond at all. Yeah. He's an artist, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was gonna be an R&B star. And that's what I did my whole life. And until one day, and, and, and here's the deal. I was actually talented at it, but was it my purpose, right? Was I, if we were to use the word good, define good as purpose and thing that you've been purposed to do, you know, I, I kind of change it to grace to do, right? That special thing that God has, you know, created you to do. I was good at it, but what, I mean, I was, I was talented at it, but was I created to do it? And, um, Friends of mine started telling me, hey, we love when you sing, but it's something about in between the songs when you talk (laughs) that really is. And I started hearing consistently. It's something about this inspiration when you communicate it. That's what makes you special. And can I tell you, I went through a life crisis because I woke up one day and the question I always ask, what if you wake up one day and you realize you're something you never thought you were? Yeah. I mean, what if, you know, so anyway, hey, we, we have so many people. I've got a, an, I've got a, a guest coming up soon uh, who spent most of his life uh, becoming a lawyer, uh, working in that field and then deciding he hated it, you know, and to take that investment and to go a different direction. And when so many of us are there, because as, as you talked about, we are brought up in a culture that tries to find something you're good at and say, pursue, yeah. pursue that. I was, I, one of the things I was best at naturally was ball sports. You name the ball sport, football, yeah. baseball, uh, whatever. And I excelled at it. And so I was, I was kind of steer that direction. I didn't really even enjoy it. And I ultimately did leave yeah. it. And it was so hard though, because the pressure internally and externally is man, if you're good at it, that's what you pursue. But you, know, you use the word passion and I, I was not, you know, passionate about that. So you talk about uh, your purpose again is wherever your passions, giftings and God's provision intersect. So, you know, to look at what you're passionate about. And I think people often hear content down that road. Okay. So come up on giftings. And, um, I hope people, you know, especially our audience who are, are bent this direction have, have done some work on giftings, which is more than your personality profile, much more, but passion and giftings. But now you also say, and God's provision intersect. I wanted you yeah. to unpack that one. Cause that's not one that I'm used to seeing connected to a definition of purpose. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of things. Um, one, I think what we were just talking about was the idea of identifying a gift because yeah. I think um, a gift for me is different than a talent. A gift is something that has that's special, 
that people that's actually making people better. And I always define it this way. A gift is something that, you know, uh, um, people uh, are always, they're knocking on your door for you to do, right? Um, it's, it's making the world better and making people better. We don't, we watch American Idol that there are some people that think they're gifted at singing that they aren't, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. it's like, Pain, that's not making so. the world yeah. Right, it's not making the world better. So I think after you, you identify the gift, right? You gotta, you know, I gotta identify the passion. What what breaks your heart? I always say that. What huh. what breaks your heart? That's how you find passion. Um, the thing that you, right? I mean, if you had one week to live, you would do that. The thing that you would run, the problem you would solve, what breaks your heart? God's provision. Um, passion, gifting, provision colliding. It could be, you know, here's the deal. You could be great at something. You could be passionate about it. But it could be something that God doesn't want you to do. And you know when God doesn't want you to do something because there's no energy behind it. Hmm. In other words, man, you keep, and, and, and see, look, th that's different from perseverance because I think, with businesses and all of that, like you got to launch something and it's, and it's going to take a while to get it and you got to pursue. But if you've been pursuing this thing for 20 years and it hadn't worked, it might not just be that you're not good at it. It might be God didn't want you to do it. Well, and that's, that's part of your story that I had just been reading. You talked about the R and B pursuit that you were doing that. You were good. You got the accolades that you were good. You got testimonies. You were good. You got opportunities and then it didn't happen. And then you go on and it didn't happen. And man, I have been in those where it feels like everything's lined up here. I, I can't find a problem with it other outside of my pursuit of God and say, man, if I'm knocking on these doors and I'm knocking and I'm knocking and you're not opening yeah. any of them, that's difficult. But I, I hear you. Man, I, I love you're the first person to talk about passion what breaks your heart? Because I have so often said, man, I don't know if I'm passionate about that. I feel burdened by that. Yeah. That resonates with me more than passion. But with you, you just brought it together. Passion, what breaks your heart. And I want people to also yeah. hear what you said about, because I, 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 we passed it a minute ago and I, I want to come back to it real quick, just purpose. And you said, where are you making the world better? Because I have absolutely found that in my time getting to sit and talk with rock stars like yourself who are making a difference in the world and where they find passion is mattering to another person. And bottom line, you, we want to matter to another person. You said making the world better. I don't know how to make it better other than doing something that matters to another person. But I want people to hear that because I feel like they're, they're searching for the purpose. And that is where my test, again, I, like you, I'm, man, I'm, I, I'm not going to get clinical. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a, uh, I'm not a, any, I don't got anything on the end of my name at all. Um, that is my experience though. That is where we find purpose is mattering to the people. And you said making the world a better place. And I love that. What am I doing now that actually makes the world better? That that's the testimony of where your giftings are. That's wow. good stuff. I think you got another man, couple, you, you got man. another couple books in you just out of this show that I want to read. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping, look, I'm going to move because there's this sound outside and the lawnmower is going. And so I'm going to move so I can still talk to you, get you good audio and talk to the people. Okay. I'm feeling good. I'm can you feeling, hear me? Yep. Yep. I can. And I, you know, looking on this, I, I want to stay on 
I want to stay on purpose here because yeah. as you said, one of the primary, if not the primary pursuit, we all have, what is my purpose? So passion, that thing that breaks your heart. And I, again, I use the word burden sometimes your giftings. And I appreciate you pulling that out that your giftings are different than your talents. Cause yeah, going back to what we talked about, if you're in school, uh, you're going to be whatever you have, you have to be talented in math. You should be go yeah. become an accountant. You'd be talented in math and not like it at all. Um, yeah. so your, your talents, your skills different than the giftings, that thing that you just have a natural propensity for. I've got, I've got nine kids and I see amongst those, uh, just inherent things that they are. Yeah. I would say it's more than talent. I mean, it's like, it's a gift. It's, it's, I don't, I don't yeah, understand yeah. how they do that. And it may be right. something that I don't even, that I don't, that I don't, it, let's say, you know, if it's, it's math and numbers and figuring things out in that way, man, I, I don't even want that, uh, but you've got that. That's amazing. It. And it seems like a gift. I don't think we have any personality profiles or gifts and ta or, or, or talents and skills things out there. That's really honed in on a gift. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think a gift, um, it has something to, to do. And I don't, again, has something to, to do with divine power. Um, a gift, okay. I always say has grace attached to it. A gift always has grace attached it, to explain it. Explain that. Grace to me is a supernatural thing that only God can put on something. And, and the difference between a talent and a gift, because you could be really a talent you're good at. It. Okay. Yeah, I'm good at this. Great. But it, it, it's not, there's nothing special coming off of it. You could be really great at it, but there's not supernatural ability and purpose tied to it. In other words, the doors don't fly open when you do it, or, there, or, or there's not eternal implications when you start to map it out. That, 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 that's what I would say is the biggest gift, the biggest difference between the gift and the talent is that it has divine capacity. Oh, okay, well, you talk about getting deep. I mean, in the, in the church, which I grew up in, and we have a primarily faith-based faith audience listening here, there's still a, I'm going to say a subconscious perspective that I believe a majority of people have in not, I don't know that they would say that I don't believe I've got a gift, yeah. but I don't believe they consciously accept that they do. Yeah. And, you know, and to come in, and of course we've all heard, you know, the God's, you know, got something special in everybody. We hear that at platitude. I don't think that we, again, I'm going to say we, even in the church really grasp onto that. And, and maybe if we do, it's frustrating because we don't know what it is. If, especially if my circumstances are bad, my life has been going back to the story. I had uh, this crap, you know, upbringing in, in a hard, in a hard environment, hard circumstances. Today, things are hard and I'm supposed to believe that I have a gift. Well, then I must just stink because I don't know what it is. Why don't I yeah. know what it is? Why hasn't it ever surfaced? Why hasn't somebody come along and knocked on my door and put me on American Idol to sing? Because that's my, it hasn't happened for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think, you know. I think people miss out on what their gifts are because they sometimes don't define it um, as it should be. Okay. And, you know, gifts come in many different 
phases. They come in many different sizes. They come in many different shapes and they come in many different categories. And, you know, when we think about what a gift is, I go back to that exercise of calling three people or four people, friends that know you close. And we talk about this in the book that would not lie to you and asking them what is special about me? What gift or talent do I have that's special about me? And what you'll hear is all types of things. Many people underestimate what their gifts actually are, and they discount them as not gifts when they really are. For instance, administration is a gift. It's a gift. And ask me how I know, because I'm not administrator. (laughs) Because you you don't have it. (laughs) Okay. Right? I mean, there are some people that are so good at administrative uh, uh, um, assignments and responsibilities that you have to pay them top dollar because you you literally could not organize it the way that they could. There, there are so many administrative gifts. Kindness is a gift. Hospitality is a gift, right? The ability to have vision, um, cr- uh, the ability to operate well in a creative meeting. Like all of these things, creativity is a gift. All of these things are gifts. And if you're not careful, you'll discount something that is a gift. Um, because it becomes easy to you. That, thank you. I, I just had, I had that written down right here. Thank you. That, because yeah, we miss it because it comes easily to us. I, I have banged my head when I see people and I think, oh my, you are brilliant. I, yeah. I cannot, and they're like, ah, oh, really? it's nothing. Right. <laughs> that's, that's the very, and that's what goes back to T.D. Jakes. Mm. We spend 80% of our time doing what we think we're good at in 20%. And the thing is to recognize what the 20% is and to flip the percentage. Yeah. That thing that you underestimate, I want to challenge you right now to make it your life. Because many things are attached to it. One, for many of us, your financial security is yeah. attached to it. Yeah. Your, your, your peace is attached to it. Your happiness, whatever you're gifted at, right? is the thing that God has given you to achieve purpose in life. This is so important that you surrender. And that's why I talk about surrendering as opposed to discovering how purpose is more surrendered to than it is found because you are already who you are. The, the, the trick is surrendering to that gift that you underestimate or that by some divine whatever you have been pushed down a divine attack right darkness has attacked you in that area and you feel like you don't want to do that because your mama did that or your dad did this or you got hurt by this and you don't want to whatever that thing is you got to get rid of the cobwebs and you got to dust it off stop underestimating surrender and build a life around it and you will find uh significance you got time I'm going to keep going. I got, I got 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Passion. What breaks your heart? I'm stuck on that again. And, um, I, what breaks your heart? I want your commentary on this because I have realized with myself and with other people that sometimes they look at that thing that, that really does break their heart. They really are passionate and they question the validity of it. Ooh. I, because I've had times on my own of having to explain my own, you know, an area of passion and to say, I, I, I can't, I can't, I have no justification. It just is. 
I don't, yeah. I don't know. And, and honestly, it came to, came to a place uh, years ago when here I am serving in essence, you know, middle and upper class of personal development. And that's who I'm, that's who I'm serving. And my brother uh, lived for a decade over in Rwanda and he's serving the neediest of the needy over there. And a little question came up of, is my service on level with his? And I, at that point, that's when yeah. it kind of dawned on me. I, I don't know. I don't know why God has called me to these, you know, much more affluent, probably at that time, primarily white people. I don't know, but it is, it's just where my heart is broken yeah. for, for this odd reason. So maybe speaking to that, to our maybe cautionous, cautioning us to not invalidate it, especially by comparison to whatever somebody else is doing. Wow. Such a huge, you, you're good at this. You're good at this. <laughs> Thank you. You know, um, I think one of the greatest thoughts in God and in Christianity is that his ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. It, it goes back to the idea that we don't know what we don't know because we're not the creator of the world. So that from the sit, the seat that he sits in, he sees something different from what we all see. And I would say the same thing about when we talk about this idea of discounting your passions and your, your desires and all of that. It's like, why am I called over here? Many people will try to judge what they don't understand. Hmm. Not having a panoramic view of everything is a very limited perspective and it limits your ability to fully understand why God has given somebody something. Here's the deal. At the end of the day, all of life is connected in some way. What's great about the idea of a world economy is that the African economy relates to the U.S. economy and the U.S. economy relates to South America and Australia and, and Asia. It, and, and, and they're all connected and they play a part and we help each other and we trade and we do these different things. And it's the same thing of what we're saying. It's like the, God is a big God and it's a big world and you need people helping people everywhere in every sphere of influence and God will deposit a different thing into every person depending on where he wants them to go and what he wants them to do. Because here's, here's, here's what people mess up. If you discredit someone else's passion, you will miss sometimes the impact that God has them making that will help you do what you're doing better. Wow. For instance, we need people that are on the ground in Nairobi and in Rwanda and in these poor places. And we also need people in the boardroom raising money to give to them so that they can keep doing the work. Yeah. They can't raise the money, nor do they have, not, not all of them, not, and I'm not speaking, I'm speaking in, not in general, generalizations, but there are many people that don't have the skill of raising money, but they do have the skill of figuring out how to create a, a systemic change in a region. And then there are people that know that they are gifted in doing meetings and lunches and that they can get billions of dollars from laughter. It's their gift. Mm -hmm. But they would, they couldn't go and <laughs> they couldn't walk in Morocco and tell you, oh, do this or do that. It's not their skill set. Here's here's what's here's what's great about God. We need both to change the world. Yeah. 
Well, that's I could do this all day. Um, I can, look, I, I, I'm we got to write a book together. We got to do something. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> I love this guy. I, this this is what I this is what I care about. We're here to help ourselves and others change. And I this is and I love root cause issues, and this is it, um, man. I I'm gonna I'm gonna get as many people to buy this book. And to dig in with what you are doing as possible. And I'm grateful we're doing this. I know we got thousands of people watching right now on, on, uh, or, or who on Facebook and ultimately it'll have 30,000 views. The show will have tens of thousands of people. Um, I, the, what the, the keys that we've hit on here, we just may need to do another show together at the least. I'm um, in because some of these, these topics, I feel like we cover their, their core things, but we can't give enough info on it, man. Sam, thank you for taking your time with us. I am, um, I am grateful for God's gifts in you that we've gotten to experience and be exposed to today. Thank you for being here. Thanks for doing what you do and making the effort that you do to share what God is doing through you, Sam. Thank you. Kevin, listen, you're the man. Um, Thank you for telling everybody about the book. Listen, pre-orders really help us Mm -hmm. so much. I know people don't think they do, but they do. And I I would say this, man, the legacy of Zig will live on forever, man. And in you, it's coming, I mean, it's living at such a higher level. And I'm just so honored to be on this platform and to be talking to you, man. I am a friend of the family whenever you need me. It's an honor. I will call on that, Sam. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, friends, Sam and I have spent time uh, together again following this show. I just can't tell you how much I appreciate the guy. Again, you can connect with Sam and all he has to offer you at agreaterstory.org. You can find his podcast by the same name wherever you get your podcast. You can find his new book by the same name wherever you get books. Uh, Coming up in episode 808. Does your work provide more than money? Kind of an elementary question, but we all, of course, need to get paid for our work. And I'm not downplaying that. We don't at all in this episode, but does it provide you with anything beyond the money? Now, it's not just about being super altruistic. We're really tangible in this show. Does it provide value to you? Does it provide value to others? Uh, again, beyond to you, beyond the money you make and to others in what you provide, ultimately a product or service. It's a big question that's worth pondering and being very cognizant of. I asked the Ziegler audience this specific question. What value does your work provide beyond making money to pay for your life? Over 60 at this point, lengthy comments about people's work. And some realized they were only focused on the money and it made them ponder that issue. Many cited work that they cared deeply about that provided great meaning to them and service to others. There was a couple who said that I don't need money anymore, but I work to bless other people. And we covered some really important ground for us all to consider regarding not only what we all get from our work, but what the end user of the product or service that we represent gets. This show is going to give you you, I think great gratitude and confirmation, confirmation for your work, uh, or cause you to ponder more breadth in your work and possibly even show you, you might need to look elsewhere for work. And that's an okay thing to be aware of as well. Well, till then folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.